0: This is episode 86 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are The Cash Dash for a Prepper's EDC Keychain, Wallet, or Hidden? Will you survive if you have to bug out to the forest? And Peasant Bread, a delicious food that anyone can make. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, let's go ahead and get started for today. Our first article comes to us from TruePrepper.com. And again, the title is The Cash Dash for a Prepper's EDC, Keychain Wallet or Hidden. All right, so let's start. Stashing cash to carry with you every day may be the most important prep you ever do. If you don't carry cash on, your, on you all the time, we strongly encourage you to do so. It should be one of the first things to consider when putting together an EDC or an everyday carry kit. In our plugged in world we live in, fewer and fewer people are carrying physical money with them as they rely more and more on cards and phones for payment. Cash is king. In emergencies, disasters and SHTF, cash will be the way to get things done. Credit and debt is notoriously unreliable in these situations and people are skeptical skeptical of taking checks or IOUs. Barter is always an option but cash is much quicker and simple and will still retain some value unless a total societal collapse is going on. Getting people to take notice of you and go out of their way to help you will usually require something in return. This is where your hidden money reserve comes in. Whether you are using it for something as simple as food or a cab ride in an emergency, or bribing and buying last minute resources in an SHTF situation, cash will will come in handy. An emergency cash stash can get you home or to your bug out location and keep you alive. If you do end up using it for any reason, be sure to replenish it as soon as possible. Stashing cash in your wallet Most people keep cash in a wallet. It is a simple place to store your emergency cash, but because of that, it is also very predictable. Here are a few reasons you may not want to stash cash in your wallet. Pickpockets. Pickpockets in crowded urban areas target wallets stored in back pockets easily. One bump and grab and you are out of all your cash resources. Family borrowing. If your spouse or kid or or anything like mine. What's yours is theirs. My wallet often has fluctuating amounts of cash. Based on how much my wife needs. Man that is me right there. Uh, I just got to tell you. My, uh, my family. I try to have some cash on hand. But uh, that's, <laughs> that's where it goes. right? Um, you will spend it accidentally. You spend cash in your wallet. Unless you fold it up and tuck it away. Where you can't accidentally spend it. It is probably going to keep, get spent. Mugging. It is usually a good idea to surrender your wallet if you are being held up for it. The best answer is a CCP or a decoy wallet, but the worst answer is having your emergency cash in the wallet you have to hand over. A decoy wallet is an easy thing to use if you have room. Just be sure to stash a few singles in there so it doesn't make anyone angry. Lose it or damage it. Getting your wallet wet, lost, torn, apart, burnt, or these things happen. And they usually happen in an emergency, which is exactly what you need your cash stash. Already store money here. You already keep money in your wallet, and it is a good idea to disperse your resources. That just means to keep your resources in different places so if you lose one, you still have others. The military does this often with assets, like jet fighters, and it should be no different with your prepping gear. Well, that list got long quick the benefit of stashing cash in your wallet is that it is the easiest thing to do right now just fold up 20 to 40 bucks and tuck it into a flap of your wallet that you would only check in an emergency that's an easy way to get started although you may want to consider a better solution and a higher dollar emergency fund down the road the cash stash keychain is a gimmicky way to store cash but it works it checks the box off keeping your stash separate from your wallet, but it is attached to something that can also be targeted by mugging. Not to mention, people lose their keys more often than their wallets. Keeping your cash stash in a little tube on your keychain can also limit how many bills you can carry. Most people opt to carry a good amount of cash with lower denomination bills mixed in. In an emergency and disasters, people will pay with cash either can't or won't be willing to make changes of your big bills. Hiding cash on your body The best way to store money is hidden on your body. The go-to for many preppers is in their shoes, boots, or socks, bands of their hats, or even inside belts with hidden storage. While it may be inconvenient to get access to this money, it makes it that much better for security reasons. Being hard to get at also helps make sure you won't use it to buy something on a whim if your wallet is running low. Here are the ways you can hide cash on your person: shoes, boots, and socks. This is a good spot, but be wary of moisture and comfort issues. Putting bills under the lining of your insoles is a very secure location, but be sure it doesn't affect the support of your boots. The, the, the support your boots provide. Sorry. Hat band. This is an option, but not the best. Many of us do not wear hats regularly, and a hat band is not the most secure spot unless you also use tape. It is susceptible to moisture unless you first put it in a bag. Interior, Interior Jackets, Pants, Hidden Pockets Many jackets and some pants have hidden pockets these days. You may need to go with a tactical type of pant to find these pockets, but they can afford you some extra storage along with the hidden storage. True Spec and 511 are a few of the brands we prefer. Modified Clothing You can cut your waistband or cuff to be able to slide bills inside. Depending on the fabric weight, it may be slightly visible though. Be sure not to forget about it when washing. Specialty belt or fanny pack. Put away your neon one from the 80s. They make much more tactical solutions for body storage these days. Whether it is a belt meant for holding all sorts of stuff or a slim pack that straps around your waist, these are some of the most sophisticated solutions for bugging out or travel. Bras. Women have a great way to store cash with their bras. It depends on personal preference and whether it affects your comfort. This brings us to one of the last good places to keep money on you. Underwear. Storing money in your underwear may seem odd but it works. They even make a disgusting looking brief safe knowing that thieves steer clear of unmentionables. Just make sure you seal cash in a bag, avoid moisture and odor issues. The best way to stash cash keep as much cash on you for an emergency that makes sense and that can you can afford the cost of living and possible uses for cash is a lot higher in urban areas than in the country so it may make sense to stash more if you live in a large city obviously if you are carrying more it increases your risk of losing more so you want to keep it secure also if possible you will want to store your cash in multiple locations The divide and conquer method will make it more likely that you will not lose all of your cash at once if something happens. Consider a decoy wallet if you are traveling through areas where muggings are possible. The final word. If you want to start being prepared every day and everywhere you go, stash some cash. Whether you tuck it in your wallet or find a better way to keep it, you can know that you are more prepared than most. Encourage your family members to keep bills on them as well. Let us know your techniques for keeping cash on you in the comments section if you use a method we didn't mention. You never know when you will need to pay somebody quickly, and a cash stash could very well save your life. Keeping, or Keep exploring, stay prepared, and be safe. I think one of the things that you want to do when you're, you know, you want to have some misdirection there with uh, stashing cash. So, for instance, um, I always remember my grandfather when he would close up shop he would leave the cash register open and leave 20 bucks in there, you know, just some fives and ones and, and things like that. And of course all the coins. And, uh, it, to me that was like, why are you leaving your cash register open? That just doesn't make sense. And he's, you know, he, uh, his thing was, I'm, I'm leaving it open with just a few bucks so if someone comes in to rob the store at night or whatever, they don't, first of all, they don't break open the cash register or or take the cash register. You know, uh, a lot of the times those were very, very valuable. So they'll just take the money that's in there. And a lot of the time it's nothing, you know, it's like, you know, like I said, you know, 20 bucks, 20, 30 bucks uh, just laying around in there. Uh, and so, you know, hey, I just want them to take this and, and go. I don't want them to do anything else. And so this is an easy target for them to, to do. You can do the same thing uh, even at home. So if you have a you know an emergency stash you're, you have emergency cash at home, which everyone, every prepper should have something at home uh, there. But one of the things is you know you can do the same kind of thing with some misdirection is leave uh, a wallet with some money or maybe even like a a bank envelope uh, when you go get cash. You know, leave that on on your dresser. So uh, when people are rifling through, if they if they break in or whatever, uh, you know, they're getting you know twenty five bucks or something like that. Uh, you can just you know leave that easily. Uh, the article talked about a decoy wallet uh, having that. Uh, you know, one of the things about getting uh, getting it ripped off or pickpockets, you always want to carry your uh, your wallet in the front pocket. And and, and even that's that's better for posture too, because if you're sitting on a real heavy, thick wallet, that's not good for your back. But anyway, uh, that's a whole other you know situation there. But uh, I think having some misdirection when you when you're considering this is important, because there's a lot of places that you can store money in. A lot of places. I mean, you you want to store it on you, so that's different. But you know, in your home, there's tons of places where you can store money. Uh, but something to consider there, having definitely having some cash because if there was a situation where you walked in and the lights were off, and uh, it was early on in in a situation, and uh, you know you had cash, you could purchase things that you needed where other people you know wouldn't have anything. Uh, so that's always uh, something that's important. All right, moving on to the next next article. All right, so. I post a lot of stuff on Prepper website that I, I'm really trying to get people to think. You know, sometimes sometimes it's, it's not, um, you know, it's just like everything else on the internet. You can't believe everything you read. Uh, sometimes that happens in preparedness as well. Um, not too long ago, we, we posted an article on uh, buying bulk ammo, and someone uh, on the Facebook page uh, who used to work for an ammo uh, distributor or ammo company uh, started mentioning, hey, some of these laws have changed, some of these laws are different. And because I guess they knew what to look for, they were able to go and say, hey, this, this state has changed this, this state has changed this. Uh, you know, that information is is not 100%. But at the same time, not only do you want to, you know, check all of that kind of stuff, you know, uh, but you, you, um, you want to be able to critically analyze. You want to be able to look at things. You want to be able to think it through like, okay, is that, is that something that's viable, a viable solution for me? Is that something that will work in my situation? Is that something that would work in a survival situation? Is that something I need to add to my preparedness? And so you start asking yourself those questions and hopefully you're able to just like, you know what, that just doesn't make sense. Right? Uh even some of the best people out there that you can follow and you might have your favorite websites and stuff, and you're like, I I don't know. I mean that might be good for that person over there, but it's not that's not gonna work in my situation. This article is 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 like that. Um you're gonna read this article or I'm gonna read this article, you're gonna listen to it, and um you're immediately, you're probably going to be like, "Whoa, wait a minute! That is so messed up. That's so no. Uh, that's not possible. How can this guy even think about that?" But I want you to be thinking about maybe where people are coming from, uh, why they're you know why they're thinking this way. Um, you know what could, how could things be changed? I mean, I think how can things be changed in this article to, um to better. Uh, make this scenario uh, you know more successful and then uh, you might get to the point like you know what I I, I don't even want to think about you know having to do this so the the article comes to us from theprepperjournal.com and the article is will you survive if you have to bug out to the forest and uh, so we're going to go ahead and and start reading this and there, there are a lot of comments, so when, you, when you, you start thinking about this one, you're going to want to go check out the comments here, because there are some good ones. Um, you get a little bit of insight on, on the author, and then you get a little bit of insight from other people who are uh, living, leaving information uh, here at this article uh, you know, that, that's interesting, and you're kind of like, hey, I'd, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that, and actually one person does that. So let's go ahead and start reading this one here. In an SHTS situation where you can't stay in your home and moving in with a friend or relative is not an option, what will you do? If bugging out to the wilderness suddenly becomes your only option, will you survive? Probably not for very long if you believe the experts. Nevertheless, if your survival plan doesn't include a bug out to the forest option, it should. But coming up with a good plan might be more difficult than you think. For starters, do you have a reliable bug out vehicle? If your bug out plan has you escaping the city or suburbs in a modern vehicle, you may be in for an unpleasant surprise. Most modern vehicles won't survive a strong EMP event. You may find yourself traveling on foot, away from a major metropolitan area, in search of food and water. But at least you won't be alone. When food and water run out, millions of others will be traveling, mostly on foot, away from large centers of population. Even if you have a working vehicle, it may be useless due to the gridlock created by people and disabled vehicles, all on the same escape routes. You may avoid some of that if you get away quickly, but will you? How much time will pass before you're packed and ready to go? Will the roads already, already be jammed by the time you depart? As time passes, the situation will get worse. Can you imagine what starving, desperate people are capable of doing? I'm thinking zombie apocalypse. Understanding the predicament, I don't have to look any farther than my garage for a solution. My bug out plan doesn't depend on a full size vehicle, but I won't be bugging out on foot either. I suspect that I wouldn't last very long with just the items I can carry on my back. Instead, I've decided to use my garden tractor, riding lawnmower, pulling a smaller tra- trailer. Don't laugh, it's more practical than you may seem. It would probably survive an EMP event. It can travel off-road, avoiding traffic jams and bypassing bottlenecks. It can pull a smaller trailer loaded with essential supplies. I can avoid people who may want to harm me or take what I have. I'll have a 360-degree view, helpful for situational awareness, and if I have to, use a firearm. I'll be able to travel to places inaccessible by car, which in theory will make me more secure. My getaway will be at a whopping 6 miles per hour maximum, but it beats walking. There are drawbacks, of course. I'll have no shelter from the elements as I would in a car or truck. My traveling companion will have to ride in the trailer or walk alongside. Perhaps the biggest drawback is that I won't be able to outrun anyone. For that reason, it's important to pack and leave quickly, before things get out of hand. The bug-out location I've selected is far from the densely populated area where I now live, and is an area that provides opportunities for hunting, fishing, growing crops, and is near a fresh water source. I know what some of you are thinking. A city boy living in the wilderness won't last long. You might be right, but what choice do I have? Since I don't own a wilderness cabin or even a camper, how can I best prepare for a situation that forces me to abandon my home? For starters, I've compiled a virtual library of information that will be helpful in such a situation. I've also purchased some basic survival equipment and supplies. I practice the skills I've learned and I'm I'm a pretty good gardener. While living in the wild will be a challenge, I first have to arrive there safely. Traveling with a fully loaded trailer screams, Hey, look at me, I have food, water, and survival gear. How do I get to my destination without being robbed or killed? I see two main problems. One, starving, thirsty, desperate people won't hesitate to attack me and take what I have. Number two, Those already settled in near my bug-out location won't appreciate the competition for limited resources. To make matters worse, the noise of the tractor will announce my presence. In either case, one bullet could ruin my day. Bugging out is risky, but I'm thinking of a scenario where I have no choice. I'll improve my odds somewhat by getting away quickly before anarchy is commonplace. To do that, all of my things need to be organized and ready to toss into the trailer. This includes items that are protected from EMPs. The list that I've already prepared helps to make sure that I don't forget anything. As I travel, I expect to cross paths with many others who are also bugging out. The majority of the people I encounter will be just like me, trying to survive. Many of them will be traveling on foot with very limited supplies. My survival odds will improve if I join a like-minded group of travelers or convince others to travel with me. I'll bring extra food to share. Traveling with a well-fed and motivated group should help to keep the criminal element away. I'm not trying to be a group leader or a macho tough guy, but just one of the many people fleeing an area that has become unsafe. Being armed and avoiding likely trouble spots will also help. With luck, I'll make it to my bug-out spot, probably with a number of other people who will soon become my neighbors. As I settle in, I'll begin to implement a plan that might be described as living in the wilderness, but not wilderness living. After food and water, my top priority will be the construction of a substantial shelter. As Pat Henry put it, your tent offers zero protection from a sharp stick, much less bullets. I'll use modern tools and technology to deal with challenges that come with living in the wild. I'll have lights when and where I need them, and I'll use sensors to alert me to intruders and garden pests. Some of the pests that would otherwise be a threat to my garden will become food if I can kill or capture them. My garden tractor trailer combination will continue to be an asset as long as gasoline is available. I'll be able to haul whatever useful items I can find, including building materials, firewood, and water. It's likely that some of my traveling companions will become the nucleus of a survival group and the benefit of belonging to a group many. One could be hunting or fishing while another guards the supplies and equipment. One could be on the lookout for intruders while another prepares food or tends to a garden. One could sleep while another stands guard. Portable two-way radio equipment as well as low-tech devices such as whistles may be used to alert group members to emerging threats. My trailer is approximately 48 inches by 30 inches. If stacked 30 inches high, I'll have about 25 square feet of cargo space. My supplies will be covered with a tarp, protected from rain and wind. My supplies will be similar to those mentioned by a recent TPJ article by Pat Henry. Pat suggests using three plastic containers. One is for food, another for shelter, and the third for cooking. Cleaning, hygiene, health, and miscellaneous supplies. Those containers account for about 15 square feet, and mine will be similar, leaving me with at least 10 additional square feet. Because I'm thinking long-term survival, I'll pack clothes and bedding for all weather conditions. I'll use the additional space for items that will help me survive in the long run. Included will be the components of a small solar electric system that can be easily reassembled at my destination. I'll have lights and a variety of electrical devices that can be powered by the solar electric system. Sensitive electrical items are pre-packed, wrapped in aluminum foil, and insulated from each other, which is the equivalent of a Faraday cage. The ability to use power tools will make construction of a shelter much easier. Because of the trailer's small size, I look for ways to conserve precious space. I won't bring bulky items like table lamps, instead I'll assemble small and simple light fixtures. I won't bring a pedestal fan or even a tabletop fan. Instead I'll use a small muffin fan, similar to those you find in computers. I'll mount them on frames made from PVC tubing that can be disassembled, saving space when packing. I'll make good use of paracord, rope, and plastic sheeting. I need not carry books and volumes of survival literature because all of those things have been scanned and stored on a Kindle fire. Likewise, carrying a large quantity of water is not practical. I don't have the space for large containers. Instead, I'll pack several collapsible water containers. I don't bring a propane stove or even a charcoal grill, but I will bring a grill top. I'll assemble a fire pit with stones that I find at my bug out location and finish it off with the grill top. I'll pack my cast iron dutch oven, overlooking my concern for weight just this one time. Once settled in, my tractor trailer ability to haul things contributes to my bartering opportunities. The bug out location I've selected will be a 7-8 to eight hour trip by garden tractor. I have to make sure I have enough gasoline, but my preliminary estimates indicate that I can make it with just the capacity of a full tank and a full two and a half gallon container. I'll also carry a tube for siphoning in the event I'll need to do that. I'll be carrying a shovel and an axe, helpful if I get stuck or need to clear a path, and very useful when I settle in at my bug out location. I'll have the ability to collect and store rainwater. I'll be prepared to fill water and boil it, making it safe for drinking. My bug out supplies will include heirloom and hybrid seeds for food crops. Traveling light is an important consideration and for that reason I've created a separate list of items to acquire once I'm settled in at my bug out location. For the most part, those additional items will make life more comfortable but are not essential for survival. Once I've settled in at my bug out destination, my first priority will be sustainable sources of food. I'll start a garden of course, but I'll need to have other food while I'm waiting for my crops to mature. My bug out supplies include a live trap for small animals but it is safe to assume that others will quickly decimate local populations of rabbits, squirrels and other edible creatures. My bug out location is near a large lake and I suspect that I'll be able to catch fish. I've used Pat Henry's food list as a starting point but modified it to reflect my own taste and preferences. In an effort to avoid bland meals I'll pack items such as olive oil, spices, sauces, flour and cornmeal. My list for shelter is similar to Pat's, but I've added an air mattress for additional comfort. I'll have construction tools and plan to make tent living a a very temporary arrangement. My list for cooking, cleaning, and hygiene is different from Pat's list because I put more emphasis on long-term survival. While I will pack items such as soap and dish detergent, I'll place a high priority on reusable items such as washcloths and towels. Instead of a propane stove, I'll pack a rocket stove and reusable cooking supplies. I'll have a solar-heated camp shower, wash basin, and collapsible container for water. I'll have a good first aid kit, a variety of medicine, alcohol, bug spray, toilet paper, and other items for health and hygiene. One container, perhaps a a backpack, will be for items that need to be easily and quickly accessible. Items in this container will include a flashlight, weapons, maps, a compass, binoculars, cash, a lighter, a Kindle Fire, snacks, a pocket knife, basic tools, and a rain parka. My electronics box will include all of the components for a small solar electric system except the solar panel and batteries. It will include test equipment, extension cords, power strips, lights and light fixtures, fans, portable alarms, an AM FM radio and a GPS device. Items that will be packed separately include tools, solar panels mounted on a hinged aluminum framework, Batteries for the solar electric system, weapons and ammo, live trap, gasoline container, tackle box with fishing supplies, shovel, axe, rake, grill top, and a jump starter includes tire pump and light. I'll have the tools and supplies needed to make repairs to the tractor and trailer tires. After I've set up camp, I'll be on the lookout for anything that might be useful such as propane stoves with a full propane tank, table and chairs, buckets, tools, food and water. If I can't find them, I'll increase my stockpile of disposable items such as paper towels, ziploc bags, trash bags, aluminum foil, toilet paper, soap, dish detergent, laundry detergent, insect repellent, toothpaste, shaving cream, alcohol, and other items for health and hygiene. I'll also stock up on firewood and tinder. Perhaps the most important item I hope to acquire after I've settled in is an energy-efficient chest freezer. In the event that I have success hunting, fishing, trapping, or growing crops, the freezer will provide an easy way to preserve food. Not needing to find and process food every day will give me opportunities to rest and attend to other aspects of survival. The smallest of the chest freezers, freezers on the market today are very energy efficient, meaning that they can be powered by a small off-grid solar electric system. According to the energy guide tag, 600 watt hour per day is required for a 5 cubic foot chest freezer. I can get that much power with, just a, with two 100 watt solar panels and two 100 amp hour batteries. My system will be a little larger than that to accommodate the other things needing power and for extended periods of cloud cover. Where I live, the months of December through February can include some very cold and nasty weather. Extreme weather may force me to deal with the dangers and postpone bugging out. I may instead choose to make my home as secure as possible and prepare to defend it. Those traveling through my neighborhood would also be susceptible to extreme weather, perhaps giving me a bit of an advantage. If I've ever... If I have already bugged out and set up camp in advance of cold weather, preparing to survive cold conditions will be a high priority. This includes the construction of a substantial shelter and a way to provide heat. In the event that federal and state government no longer exists, law and order will be maintained at a local level by an assembly of the people of that area. A protective force can be created and guard duties shared. Efficiency can be realized in areas such as food production and cooking. Those with Those with special skills will be highly revered and will serve the entire community. Bartering will be commonplace. I don't expect my wilderness life to last more than a couple of years. In a serious SHTF situation, many people will die off from lack of food or simply from the inability to survive without the conveniences we take for granted today. If that happens, there will be plenty of empty homes to move into. I would choose one with a fenced backyard to help protect my food source. Most of my food will come from my garden and perhaps some fish, chicken, and rabbits. If I can't safely stay in my home, which is at the edge of a big city, or move in with someone else far from a densely populated area, moving to the forest may be my only option. I need to be ready to bug out quickly and travel safely. I'll need to bring the appropriate equipment and supplies, and finally I need to be able to survive wilderness living. I'll have to depend upon my hunting, trapping, fishing, and gardening skills. My prepping includes the equipment and knowledge to do those things. I don't expect it to be easy. The competition for limited resources will be fierce and not everyone will be honest and ethical. Still, I plan for a comfort level far exceeding that of tent camping. I applaud those who can live in the forest with only a knife and the clothes on their back, but I can't do that. Perhaps the best thing I have are a list and a plan. I don't depend upon a modern vehicle since impassable roads or an EMP event could stop me dead in my tracks. My pack-out list helps to ensure that I'll bring the essentials while not being overloaded with items I can do without. My extensive database of information will be useful in the event of a medical emergency or other unexpected circumstances. Moving quickly with the destination in mind might prevent me from becoming a victim of the lawlessness that will likely follow an SHTF situation. Getting to my destination quickly means that I'll also be able to scavenge more quickly than some and acquire useful stuff before it's all gone. Banding together with trustworthy, like minded others may offer the best odds for survival. Alright, so, uh, like I said, there's a lot of comments over here, a lot of people like, just, you know, hey, look like no way don't think about it you know don't do a tractor do a bicycle there you, know, you can have a bicycle with uh with a trailer you know all those kinds of things um i i the thing that i want to point out right is this guy saying john d is the author he's saying that if he can't stay in his own home right and moving in with some el- someone else is not an option um so I I think he's looking at this as kind of like a last case scenario. If nothing else is possible, um, you know, you know, going, going at it, you know, in into the woods and uh, and having to live that way. So again, I think it's a very, um, I I think the way that he's looking at this is like a a last ditch effort. When you read the when you read the comments, you find out that the this author is sixty nine years old. You know, uh, and then, uh, someone else is commenting too, that they, they live, you know, months in the woods and, uh, um, you know, things that they would have wanted, uh, if they were in the woods. Let me see. That's Lucinia, uh, talked about that. She actually has a website. I want to go to that and go visit it. Um, I don't think I've been to that one yet, but, um. You know, it's, I, that would just, just, just be hard. Um, some of the, it, some of the advice in the comments was, you know, go camping, go primitive camping, or at least camping the way you think you're going to go. And, uh, this person is like, uh, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm not into to camping. Again, this is like a last ditch effort. My thing is, uh, the EMP, EMP thing. Um, if an EMP happens, man, yeah, you know, terrible, terrible. Um, but I wouldn't just be depending on uh, you know on on that to happen. You know that that's the worst case scenario. Uh, those kinds of things that always comes up. Uh, EMP is always a popular topic. Uh, I know that if I post an EMP article on prepper website, it's going to get a lot of hits because people are always you know that's that's the one that's uh, uh, that always kind of draws people in. Uh, I I just I don't prepare for that. I mean, if that happens, that happens. That's the worst case scenario. But that's that's not the the thing that I'm you know that have I have in the back of my head, um, you know, all the time. Um, I guess there was one other thing that I kind of wanted to point out here uh, about this. Uh, there is a picture of a of a trailer connected to a tractor. And uh, in the comment section, because it's a small trailer, in the comment section, uh, the author is like, no, my my trailer is actually a little bit bigger than that. uh, The one that's in the picture. Um, So I think that is just kind of like a stock picture that was put up there. Um, But I'll just, you know, things to consider out there. um, Heading out out to the woods. Wow. Um, Yeah. All right. So I'm just going to leave it at that. But... You know as I was reading that, what were you thinking about? what were you thinking about you know are are these some unrealistic uh ideas that are being that are being portrayed here um has, has this person tried it going out to to the woods and uh, I think it was uh not uh he his uh his words were living in the wilderness but not survival or wilderness living i think it it was uh, you know, and making shelters and having tools and and uh, modern day tools and those kinds of things and and solar panels and uh, and all that. I mean, I like the Kindle Fire thing. I think uh, I just recently purchased a Kindle Fire and I'm looking at that because uh, the new ones have a lot more uh, have a bigger battery uh, and so I'm playing around with it right now just to kind of see how I like it. But uh, yeah, so a lot of people are going to find fault with this. A lot of people are going to have issues with this, uh, you know, in, on so many different levels. But again, the thing is, you know, what would you be doing if you had if this was a last case scenario? Oh, I know the thing I wanted to point out. <clears throat> he mentioned that people would be li- leaving the cities in droves, metropolitan areas. I don't believe that would happen. Uh, I don't, and, and a lot of other people don't. Uh, believe. I, I think a lot of people have been accustomed to. Uh, the government eventually coming and, uh, you know, being around in, in a situation with a lot of people aren't going to be thinking about, hey, let me make it out to uh, to the country because there's going to be food and crops and things like that. The people that uh, by the time they get finally get to that point. I think uh they're going to be too weak to head out that way, you know. They're not going to have the things that they need. They're not going to have the skills that they need to get, you know, all the way out there where they can uh be able to to uh to make it to where people are living out in the country. So I think a lot of people are going to be staying in the cities. Uh, because they're going to be hoping that the government is coming. There'll be rumors that the government will come, or if, you know, if it's not an EMP, if it is, uh, you know, radios are still working and, and, you know, battery operated stuff, and, you know, there's going to be, things out there like hey yeah you know the government is coming you know they are helping out this city uh you know this is being you know, stabilized you know this area of the country is being stabilized uh you know uh, just stay calm you know we're coming to yours as well and so i think a lot of people are going to wind up staying in the cities because uh because of that now when you listen to people like uh, fernando Aguirre and selco and i know that um Daisy Luther and Lisa Bedford have been talking about this in their prepper, prepper university um you know as part of their their situation their uh, their courses over there is that if it wasn't a whole sh you know whole collapse a whole you know societal collapse type thing that yeah the cities are going to be taken care of first if the government is around. If the government is is good to go, they are going to focus on big cities because they're going to want those up and running. They're going to want those things kind of taken care of. It might it might be that they go out to the country and take the food from farmers and people that are growing it to bring it into the city to be able to take care more than likely take care of uh, you know government people first and then take care of people in the cities. So, but that. That's if there wasn't a whole huge, you know, uh, collapse all the way around. So anyway, a lot to consider, um, you know, and again, one of those articles that kind of just kind of gets you thinking a little bit. So if you're traveling, uh, and you're listening to this and, you know, uh, after the podcast, you're like, you know, what would I do? What, what, what is my situation? Where would I go? Uh, hopefully you have people that you can depend on and, uh, that you can link up with. All right. Um, go check that one out because there's uh, a lot of links in the articles, and then of course the uh, the comment section uh, has has some good stuff in there. And then uh, trueprepper.com also had the article over there about catch dash had some good uh, links as well. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our last one. Uh, there's not a lot of links in this one, but there are uh, a lot of pictures. And so when you're you know talking about making bread. I think this is, uh, you know, it's it, this is an easy, easy recipe. Uh, it's coming to us from homesteadsurvivalsite.com. The article is peasant bread, a delicious food that anyone can make, and there's a lot of pictures here. And uh, so I think um, if you've never made bread before and there's not so many there's not a lot of people that have made it uh, you know that just make bread on a regular basis I mean I know more people that are listening to this podcast and more people that watch uh, or I'm sorry that read prepper website are you know make bread than, than most right there's a bigger average there. Uh, But a lot of people don't. This is an easy introduction to making bread. And uh, so anyone can, can do this one. So let's start reading this one. If you're new to from scratch cooking or bread making in particular, peasant bread is a great place to start. It's long been a cheap family staple and is an easy recipe to add to or alter to suit your taste. Plus, it's no need. While there isn't a strict definition for peasant bread, traditionally the basis was simply flour, water, yeast, and salt. The flour would would have been whole wheat or rye depending upon the region. Many people would have made additions to this recipe such as seeds, nuts, seasonings, or dried fruit depending on their local and seasonal availability. This is a basic recipe, so feel free to add spices or other ingredients. What you'll need... One good sized Dutch oven, three cups of warm water, two tablespoons of sugar, one tablespoon of active dry yeast, one and a half teaspoons of salt, three cups of wheat flour, two and a half cups of all purpose flour. Note, different ratios or types of flour may be substituted. For instance, sprouted wheat versus whole wheat or less all-purpose flour and more wheat flour. Keep in mind, white flour is lighter and the higher the percentage of white flour, flour, the lighter and airier the loaf will be. To begin, combine the water, yeast, and sugar in a large bowl. The sugar isn't for flavoring. It feeds the yeast, ensuring that your bread will rise well. Then add the salt and begin adding the wheat flour one cup at a time. After you've added the 3 cups of wheat flour the dough should begin coming together and be harder to stir. Then you can begin adding the all purpose flour or half cup at a time. The exact amount may vary some. Stop adding flour when your dough has formed a ball. Unlike normal bread dough it can still be a bit sticky. Stirring in the last bit of flour may be tough so you might choose to use your hands instead. Leave the dough in the bowl and let it rise. Covered with a damp cloth or towel until about doubled in size. This can take anywhere from one to four hours depending on your kitchen's temperature. If your bread isn't rising well because your kitchen is too cool, you can use your own oven to help. Preheat your oven to the lowest possible temperature and place the covered bowl of dough inside and leave the oven door slightly open after the dough has risen preheat your oven and and well-oiled covered dutch oven to 450 degrees fahrenheit let the dutch oven heat up at temperatures for about 20 minutes place the dough in the hot dutch oven and bake covered for 30 minutes the finished loaf should be golden brown on top If you'd like a crunchier crust, you can leave it in the oven for a few additional minutes with the lid off. Then, enjoy. This delicious bread is simple to make and looks great. A perfect way to show off your awesome cooking skills to family and friends. Be sure to try it with seasonal homestead ingredients like garden fresh herbs. Alright, so uh, this is a a quick little article and uh, easy to make recipe. So, if you haven't made... Uh, if you haven't made bread before, this might be one that you might want to try and you might not even want to use the, I don't know, I don't know if you can, I'm not not a a bread maker, but if you, uh, if you don't want to use three cups of wheat flour, I wonder if you can just use the three cups of regular flour, uh, and then add the other two and a half. So a total of five and a half cups of all purpose flour. I don't know. I'm not a bread maker. My wife has done it. Uh, maybe I need to ask her. But uh, anyway, uh, easy to make bread. I know that uh, there's been people in the past is like, man, I'm just going to make flatbread. Uh, you know, that's easy to make and uh, you know, easy to to use and to eat with. I, I I don't believe people realize how much they eat bread. You know, there's bread in in so much in in everything that we eat. Um, So that might be something if if there was ever really a collapse situation because there's so many people that don't cook from scratch and people that don't, uh, you know, make things like bread uh, that they would uh, really, really crave something as simple as bread. I mean, think about that. Right. All right. So that's it for uh, episode 86. I hope you had a, a great weekend. I didn't say that at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, Coming off of Father's Day in the weekend and and starting our week off. Um, If you get a chance, come by the website and leave me a comment in the comment section uh, of one of the episodes. Or feel free to hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Alright, and with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.